0: Good day listeners, Jonathan Darty here with another edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. Pure Sex Radio is produced by Be Broken Ministries. Be Broken's mission is to help men, women, and families move from sexual brokenness to wholeness in Christ and equip others to do the same. On today's program, we have one of our fan favorite guests back with us, Dr. Eddie Caparucci. Eddie is a certified licensed professional counselor, and he's certified in treating sexual and pornography addiction. He's the creator of the Inner Child Model for the Treatment of Sexual and Pornography Addiction and author of multiple books and workbooks. Today our conversation focuses on his newest book, Why Men Struggle to Love, Overcoming Relational Blind Spots. In this book, Eddie identifies 14 blind spots in men that can prevent them from building healthy love relationships. So if you're a man who wants to understand the deeper issues of recovery beyond just behavioral sobriety, This conversation will benefit you. To learn more about the book and get a copy, visit strugglingmen.org. For more resources, visit BeBroken.com or check out links in today's show notes. And please rate and review the podcast after listening to help others find it. Now let's get into today's conversation with Eddie. Well, Eddie Capparucci, how are you doing? I'm doing
1: so well, Jonathan. Thank you again for having me. Always enjoy spending time with you, my friend.
0: Yeah, it's great to have you back on the program. I was just looking before we we got on here and realized, you know, we had you on first in 2018 and then 2020 and now 2020. Maybe there's like a two-year, you know, requirement that we have to to wait to have you on, but... (laughs) It never feels that long to me. I'm like, look up and I go. It's been two years since we had Eddie on the program. It doesn't feel that long at all.
1: I didn't realize it went back all the way to 2018. But but you know what, John? They take me a little while to write book. So they yeah. usually take about two years. So I think that's the trend that we're seeing here.
0: Well, and also I, I, my dad's. Voice is ringing in my head that he says, you know, once you're over the hill, you pick up speed. So maybe just the pace of life feels different, you know, as we are doing some of these things. But I really wanted to have you back on because you've got a you've got a really great um, new resource that's out. That uh, it's a book called Why Men Struggle to Love: Overcoming Relational Blind Spots. And I want us to dig into this because I think this is going to be really helpful for 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 men. Um, but I first want to ask you, so why, why did you write this book?
1: Yeah, basically, you know, Jonathan, what I was seeing was, and I tell the story in the first chapter of the book was, I was seeing that there are many times when men are doing their work, they're in recovery, they're working hard. Uh, they are, you know, staying away from their behaviors, but yet there is not that reconnection that's happening with their wives. And we, of course, we know that with betrayal trauma, it takes time for them to heal also. But sometimes we don't see that. And what I came to understand is that being sober is not enough. See, what, in order to feel this sense of security, of safety, a woman, and I use women, even though we know that there are women who also betray and men who have been betrayed uh but i work exclusively with men so for anyone who could forgive me for the pronoun that i use but you know for those who've been betrayed they need to feel secure right that's part of what has to happen in the healing process well they can't feel secure if they find that they're the man that they've been with who has said you know, no, no, I haven't been betraying you. I haven't been looking at pornography. I have not been doing anything like going out to strip club. And then later they find out, well, now the same guy is sitting here saying, hey, I've, I've learned how to manage my addiction. I'm no longer doing that. Well, if they haven't changed other aspects of their behaviors, it's very difficult for that person who's been betrayed to believe that because what we find and I'm sure you will very much agree that a large percentage of people who deal with addictive behaviors especially in this area of sex addiction also have a low emotional IQ and because of that they have a they have a problem truly bonding with other people And so that was the whole purpose of the book. The book was to say, to point out, hey, guess what? There were troubles that we had growing up that left us emotionally undeveloped. And because of that, we grow up not having those connections. And that then leads us in our pursuit of emotional intimacy, which we don't know that's what we're chasing. But what it leads us into a pursuit of addictive behavior to get a sense of comfort in it.
0: Yeah, a little bit of what I'm hearing you, hearing you say, and I'd love to, for you to unpack this a little bit more, and then we're going to get into some of the specific things that you write about in the book, is that there's almost two major stages to a man's recovery And the first is just dealing with the sobriety issue. Like what does it look like to get to a place of stability and sobriety around whatever your acting out behaviors is, whatever your particular triggers are and things like that. And then I'm hearing that, but there's this whole other piece that is really the greater aim in recovery that is really about this idea of emotional maturity and, you know, really strong, bonded, healthy relationships. Can you talk about why... Uh, maybe it is necessary that we don't ignore that first stage in order to actually then pursue this second deeper stage. Because I can hear some guys or maybe even some wives saying, yeah, I want him to get there, get to that part. And he hasn't necessarily maybe even dealt with the sobriety stage can you talk a little bit about why there is a progression that happens here that's necessary yeah well you know
1: what because first and foremost let, let's talk about what is the main problem that we first come in with it is, it is the symptom of the bigger problem and that is the acting out that's the pornography or whatever unhealthy sexual behavior so therefore what we want to do is we'll want to start to resolve that issue first and foremost now i will say this that in doing so we will be touching upon some of the problems that deal with being emotionally undeveloped. Okay, so they will tie hand in hand, but the primary focus has to be, let's take this matter of this addiction and let's get it in check, Let's get it managed because you know what? If that doesn't happen, I don't care how well this guy looks in being able to develop an emotional IQ. His spouse is not gonna be happy with him. So therefore and plus the other idea about it, Jonathan, is sometimes with the problems that they that they have from the lack of sobriety lead to other issues such as financial issue, work issues, sometimes even legal issues. So therefore we have to make sure this is taken care of before we launch completely into looking to change the new guy. But again, we just take it a step at a time.
0: Yeah, and sometimes even working on those very concrete sobriety issues because there can be some steps that seem to feel like you're making progress at a faster pace. It's it's really it's motivational. I mean, it, it helps a person get the sense of like the change is possible. And then when we get into the deeper stuff, they realize, oh, this is going to take longer. But you know what? I've seen progress, and so therefore, there's hope. I can right. dig into this a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So in the book, I think book, it takes um, about I
1: think it takes about two years for it all to click for a guy to get yeah. all of this. I mean, not just again the sobriety part, you know. Hopefully, very quickly up front, we're, we're getting that. But changing and becoming and evolving the transformation of the heart, that takes longer. Uh, because, again, it it's not natural because we didn't get the tools we needed when we were younger.
0: That's good, yeah. So in the book, you you talk about these 14 blind spots. Now, we're not going to be able to cover all 14 of them. I have four or five that I want to highlight and ask you some questions about. Okay, But first of all, just just help us understand what is a blind spot and why did you feel like that was a really necessary way to help men uh, unpack why they struggle to love?
1: Yeah. Blind spots are defects that we have in our, whether it be our character, our nature, our soul, whatever way you want to put it, that prevent us from being able to nurture relationships in a very healthy way. And these all happen because if we go back, if I could take it back to the beginning for a moment, in those early stages of childhood development, children are taught very critical things that are needed for us to be emotionally bonded for example learn to attune to be able to pick up what other people are feeling their emotions seeing that there is some sort of problem regulating our own emotion Uh, being able to trust that I can walk away from a parent but then turn back and know that they're there and, and also, and again, there are many of them. And then the other one is that ability to sit with emotional discomfort. When we are not taught the skill set, which happens because for a variety of reasons, parents, one, may not have the skill set themselves. Two, they may be very overwhelmed with life in general. There may be a, sibling in the house that has special needs or is ill. But for whatever reason, we don't walk down this pathway. So what happens, we become stunted. Our emotional growth gets stunted. And therefore, we are, as I've said before, emotionally undeveloped. And with that, we would then wind up developing these blind spots, which, as I said to you before, prevents us from really being able to fully engage in very healthy relationships.
0: Yeah. So let me ask you about one, uh, one of these blind spots in particular, just to kind of then help our, our listeners, the, the men that are listening, kind of understand maybe what we're talking about. So I noticed, you know, chapter six, you actually talk about a lack of curiosity blind spot. Can you unpack what that is and and again why that is a barrier to men really being able to bond well in relationships yeah
1: that's that's a good one it's a strong one that you picked out there john you know curiosity when we're talking about lack of curiosity we're not talking about subject matter like for example somebody could have a lot of curiosity about sports or finances or politics or maybe wood making you know, things like that. we're talking about is the lack of curiosity when it comes to people, especially those that are the closest to us. They don't sit and probe. We don't spend enough time to get to understand what is going on in their lives. And I'll give you a perfect example of what happened with a client. Uh, He told me a story that uh, wound up getting him in trouble with his wife. He's sitting in the. He's standing in the kitchen. And he just made himself a bowl of ice cream, and he just started eating it. His wife came in from the start of a new year of their Bible study, and she comes in with these like four or five books and a syllabus, and he's like, he goes, oh, he goes, so how was your uh, study? And she said, oh, she was. it was very good. She goes, do you want to sit down with me and I'll walk you through what we're going to do this year? And he looked down at his ice cream, looked at her, looked at his ice cream, said, nah, and walked away again leaving her very distraught that you don't care you're not invested in me and that's the message that delivered when we aren't curious about our spouse or our children that i'm not invested in you i don't you know whatever you're going on in your life i'm sure you'll be able to handle it you don't really need to bother me with it so that's why curiosity is so important and that's why i
0: of the blind spots. You know one of the things that pops into my head as you're saying that is how how because I'm thinking a lot of guys, you know, they turn to porn and there's this endless stream of novelty, this desire to 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 keep seeing the new um is there not a curiosity there and how does that because it seems to me like well there's some kind of curiosity there but it's more around a superficial you know, pursuit of novelty, is that part of what is the, um, uh, problem in terms of the, the object of curiosity or is it, is it not related? Because I just love your thoughts on that because that's just the thing that popped into my head. I'm like, is there not a type of curiosity that goes on in porn that is maybe a distortion of what you're talking about?
1: Right. Well, remember what happens in porn, as you refer to it as curiosity, you know, uh, many of us refer to it as tolerance. I built a tolerance. And so therefore, what excited me yesterday no longer excites me today. So therefore, I need to go find something else. And that continues to escalate along the way, and that's why we see people who have maybe started out with just images of naked women who have moved into genres that are very, very disturbing. Not just in disturbing in nature, but it's disturbing to them also that I can't believe I'm looking at something like this. This doesn't make any sense. This goes totally against who I am as a person, my moral compass, but yet I can't help it, and then it continues to go you know, more and more based on the tolerance. I like, don't think it's so much, If there's some curiosity that comes involved in pornography? Absolutely. Because again, as you sit and you look at the, the genre that's there and you see something and it's like, and I don't want to start mentioning names of different uh, categories, but you look at one and say, wow, that's got to be, Unique. I can't even imagine what something like that would look like. But see, that's mm-hmm. the same kind of curiosity that they have about stuff. Right. You know, their curiosity about politics, their curiosity about, you know, how do you, you know, cars, for example, different cars. Ooh, what's that model going to be like this year? What are the features going to be there? So they look for that stimulation based on things. I'm talking about here, develop stimulation based on emotions that you get out of getting to know people better. I don't know. if yeah. that answer the question?
0: Absolutely. That's good. And one of the things that I was thinking there is it's the difference between being curious about a, a fact and being curious about a person. And there's, yes. there's a dynamic difference to those two things. and And I think that's what you're talking about. You know, correct. one of the things that I noticed also with all the blind spots is there's certainly overlap and interlocking between a lot of these. So, but obviously you broke out enough nuance in some of these that it was important to, to talk about them distinctly. Because the next one I want to ask you about is actually the very next chapter, chapter seven, you say there's an inability to connect emotionally blind spot. And I'm thinking, well, that's not totally disconnected from curiosity, but it's obviously got something distinct. Can you describe that blind spot?
1: Yeah, I mean, because again, that idea is if I cannot connect emotionally, that's going to lead to, let me let me back up for a minute. You are absolutely correct. You know, one of the questions I get from most people when I go out to talk about this is they say, where should I start? Which blind spot should I begin with? And I tell them it really doesn't matter pick the one that you feel you know one that you think you could pick off the quickest because what happens is when you start tackling one it leads into others because there is a crossover so you are taking care of multiple you have to go back to the to the other ones and do more work but you're doing some of that work in between so going back to your question if i have the inability to emotionally, you know, connect with someone, of course, I'm not going to be curious about that. Well, guess what? Having curiosity about people allows me now to emotionally connect and engage. So yes, but you're absolutely right. There is a intertwining between most of these, especially the one about fear. Fear drives all of these. So even though I broke out fear by itself, because again, I do feel it's something that needed to be called out, because it is a catalyst for many of our actions or inactions. It also is ingrained in everything that we see here.
0: So talk about that for a second. Can you describe what you mean when fear is kind of a foundational Element in all of these. What, what, what are men afraid of? Um, how does that fear get established or rooted? Um, and and how does it create and connect to all of these blind spots?
1: All right. Well, let's go. Let's start with what you just said about how to get started. Get started again. Going back to those early. Uh, stages of childhood development that we do not walk through. Somewhere along the line, if we get through one, maybe we don't get through the second one. And when you don't get through the second one, you're usually stagnant. And so therefore, we don't have that ability to emotionally connect. So that's where they all begin. That's where you're getting that aspect. Um, the other tie-in, tell me, what was the second part of your question? I'm sorry. Well, just what are, what are men afraid of? Like what are some of the things? Oh, what are they afraid of? Right. Right. They're afraid, they're afraid of many things. And that's why you've got all 14. Like for example, um, I may be afraid to emotionally connect because I have to be vulnerable. Okay. They may have gotten a message along the way that being vulnerable comes across as being weak. So therefore I don't want to be vulnerable. Um, They may be afraid of getting in trouble. So therefore, they have one of the blind spots is hide and lie. They learn how to hide, fade into the background, and also to lie. Because they found out with, again, the message they received when they were younger is if I lie, it's not like I get any, I don't, I get off with a lighter sentence. I'm still gonna get punished. I'm still gonna be in trouble. So you know what? It's not worth it. Let me just lie about it instead of telling the truth, you know, um, we're afraid of being found out that we're frauds, okay, that we don't, you know, measure up. So therefore, there we have the inwardly focused person. I'm not going to put myself out there. I'm not going to do that because I'm afraid people are going to find out who I really am. Now, you notice what I'm talking about here? I'm talking about these negative narratives that we have, been that have been instilled in us through parents, peers, events in our lives when we were younger that we still carry today. And it's those that false narrative that we tell ourselves that drum up all these different fears. Now, men have this amazing ability to be able to uh, repress a great deal of what, of what troubles us. So therefore, it's like I put it away and I'm never going to touch this thing. I'm going to put it in a black box, lock it away, and I'm not going to feel this fear that I'm inferior or I'm inadequate. Instead, I'm going to develop this false persona that, hey, you know what? I'm a pretty tough guy. Mm-hmm. But yet underneath, I, I,
0: I would be crumbling
1: at times, depending on what the scenarios are that I face.
0: Yeah, that's good. As you're saying that, I was thinking, yeah, men have been able to um, uh, reduce down their their response to how are you doing to fine, right? And we just cover, we just mask it all up and say, I'm fine, even though there may be a yes. whole tornado swirling within us. Right. Now, you mentioned um, one of the other chapters, you talk about low emotional IQ blind spot. First of all, how is that maybe different from uh inability to connect emotionally okay. so how would you give the difference there and how does that yes. line spot of low emotional right. iq affect men
1: okay so let's look at what creates a low emotional iq and there are three components one the inability to identify what we truly feel so i could tell you if i have a low emotional iq i know if i'm angry i know if i'm happy I know if I'm sad, and I know if I'm afraid. But I can't drill down, Jonathan, and tell you what do I really feel. Mm -hmm. I feel insulted. I feel belittled. I feel dismissed. I feel I don't belong. They can't drill down to give you those emotions. And I'm sure you've seen that with many, many men over the years. You know, you tell them, what what is it? I feel frustrated. With myself.
0: I've seen that with myself.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It is within all of us, right? Don't say, I feel frustrated. Well, what does that frustration, what does it amount to? And a lot of times what I'll tell people to do, give me a thought. Give me a thought. And let's see if we can take that and drive it to your emotional state. Again, being a cognitive behavioral therapist, I believe it's the way we think that drives how we feel and how we act. So I sometimes go back to that. The second part of the low emotional IQ is even if I can't identify those secondary emotions, I'm very apprehensive about sharing them. Because again, it, we're talking about that dirty word, vulnerable. I don't want to be vulnerable. I don't want, I mean, that just, ooh, it it feels yucky to feel vulnerable. I don't want people to think I don't have it all together. I want everybody to know that, you know what, I can handle anything. I don't need anybody. I'm good on my own, right? We've all have gone through that in our life. But not being vulnerable, again, that goes back to the inability to emotionally connect because of that. And then the last part, which is really probably the most frustrating aspect to the partners is our inability, if we have a low emotional IQ, to be able to take on their emotion. So they had this hard day, this rough day, something bad has happened, and they're coming to us to talk about it. And we don't know what to do with these emotions. So what do men do? Now you can go back to the characteristic we learned back in the 1970s. One, they'll try to fix it. Two, they try to shut it down. And how do they do that? They'll minimize it. You know, that's not really important. I don't know why you're bothering. I wouldn't worry about it. This is ridiculous. Or they're going to run away. I don't have the time for this. I'm sorry. I don't know what to do about it and just leave. So those are the three things that make up the low emotional IQ that we need to strengthen. And when you start to strengthen that, then you strengthen someone's ability to connect with
0: others. That's good. That's good. So one of the other blind spots that you mentioned was the hypersensitive blind spot. Can you talk a little bit about that, what that is and how that? Uh, I,
1: I could talk about it because I still live it. Um, there, there are two things, one, there's the hypersensitivity to rejection and to criticism, um, you know, therefore, if I grew up, if you grow up in an environment where there is a great deal of criticism that comes at you, today of an adult, even when people, they're not trying to be critical, they may be trying to be helpful, you know, it's like, well, don't park over there, why don't you park over there? Okay, simple, simple thing. It's like, why are you telling me what to do? Why are you telling me why? Why? What's different about that spot than this spot? This spot, fine. I don't have to park over there. And here we go. We're just hypersensitive to anything. Like, oh, did you did you leave that glass on the table? It's like. No, I didn't leave the glass on the table. Why are you bothering me about the glass on the table? How come I'm the one you always want to to say why? How come you don't check with anybody else? It's like, well, the dog can't leave the glass on the table, and there's nobody else in the house except us. Okay, I mean, it's that kind of stuff that goes on. That's that there, and then there's the hypersensitivity to rejection that people feel and it goes back to when they were younger and the fact that you know what they sometimes felt they were rejected growing up they may have been the kid who nobody comes and chases them and then when they do go outside and start hanging out with the kids and then one of the kids says, hey you know you and you come on let's go to my house and go hang out and then you're left there by yourself again so now as an adult you're very hypersensitive so therefore you're the office at work and all of a sudden you see three or four people who you hang out with all going to lunch and nobody has asked you so now you're like okay what did i do wrong why are they mad at me how come i can't go well it might have been somebody came to look for you but you were on the phone and they didn't want to bother you and they went but but you know you're just going to jump to all these conclusions that again, nobody wants to be with me. So those are two of the things that we can become very hypersensitive to.
0: Yeah, and and the the last blind spot that you mentioned that I think was so great, I was so glad you put it in there uh, because I think sometimes it either gets um, taken for granted or it just gets ignored altogether. And that is the struggle to connect with God, blind spot. Can you talk about that and how that has a profound impact on whether a man can love and bond well with others.
1: Well, yeah, well, Jonathan, you know, we could do a whole show on this alone uh, with this blind spot because there's so many different variables that are involved in it. The first and foremost is that if you have, again, if you're emotionally undeveloped and you can't connect with people, how are you going to figure out how to connect with God? People I can see, I can hear, I can touch, I can't to him. That's the thinking for many people. And not just men, but women also. So I don't know how to have that relationship. More importantly, with the individuals who we work with, as you know, there's a great deal of shame because of their behaviors. You felt it. I felt it. We've all been there. With that shame, what they do is they project how they feel about themselves, that I am unworthy, I am a bad person, you know, I don't deserve to be loved. And they project that upon God, saying there's no way he could ever accept me. There's no way he could ever love me for what, after what I have done. And that is so prevalent among the people we work with. I was actually floored by this when I first started, you know, doing counseling, especially in this area. And that's why I wrote the first book, Removing Your Shame Label. It was all about how to understand that, you know what, no, you are, unconditionally loved and accepted. So that is a blind spot that has to be explored and that people have to be corrected so that they can see what is truth. It goes back to the idea, remember, go back to your inner child of what I feel versus what is real. What I feel is your adolescent thinking. What is real is, again, it, that is your rational thinking. So therefore, I feel I'm unworthy, I'm unloved. God, I want nothing to do with me. What does reality say? Well, Scripture tells us that we are unconditionally loved and accepted and that we are the sons and the daughters and the prince and the princess of the king.
0: Yeah. So as we as we kind of wrap up here, what is your... What is your greatest hope for men who go through this book? I mean, what do you hope for when men pick up this book?
1: I think there are a couple things. One, I want them to, one, become aware that, you know what, your, your addictive behaviors are part, in part the result of things that did not, things you did not receive that you should have received in your childhood. Now, these are not excuses for our behavior. We have to own our behavior, but they are rationale. to be able to sit there and say, oh, you know what? If I can correct, if I can soften these blind spots and become a more emotional being the way we were created by God, spiritual, emotional, okay? then, oh, I maybe I have even a better chance of maintaining my sobriety. Then the other thing I want them to understand is that, you know, for their partners, that they need to see these changes. Mm -hmm. It It is a requirement of them, because think of it as this is a path of sanctification. By taking all of these blind spots and putting your time and effort into them, being guided by the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 22, 23, we now can continue on the pathway of sanctification, where we are trying to become more Christ-like. We're becoming better men better husband better father you say this all the time I hear you talk about this and it's so important with sitting still being stagnant that is not the Christian life because right. that is like a puddle of water that eventually as it sits it's going to get dirty it's going to get toxic and eventually it's just going to dry up and be gone and instead we have to be like that river that flows that stays clean, that stays healthy, and that part of it. So anyway, a long-winded answer to your very short question. That is what I'm really hoping that men get out of this, as well sure, as no, their I'm, partners.
0: Yeah, I love the passion. I mean, we, we do want to see transformation happen, and that's always a life that is uh, in motion. And so I think that's really important. So, so yeah. Eddie, where can uh, where can folks go to get the book and more information about these blind spots?
1: Yeah, the, uh, the book is located, uh, it's exclusively available on Amazon. It is in a Kindle and a paperback. The audio will probably be coming out sometime in April. It's being worked on as we speak. Um, they can find out more about the whole program if they go to www.strugglingman.org. Okay, Strugglingmen.org and there's information that lists what all the blind spots are, talks a little bit about what happened during those early stages. I just think us having that information and knowing what went wrong is so empowering because it's like, oh, you know what? Now I know what to fix. I know what I need to take care of and to make a difference.
0: Well, thanks so much, Eddie. We we always appreciate having you and and we love uh doing ministry alongside of you. So thanks for this great conversation.
1: No, thank you. Thank you for your support. I know you know you were you read the book, you endorsed it, and mm-hmm. and your ministry, you know, I just continue to pray for you guys and hope that God continues to bless all of you.
0: Yeah, thank you. Well, listeners, we're gonna put all that information. Go to strugglingmen.org to get information about the book, go to Amazon. Um, Again, the book is entitled Why Men Struggle to Love. And uh, we'll put all that in the show notes so that you can access that. But uh, we are grateful that you've been with us. If you want just uh, additional help and encouragement on your journey, please uh, reach out to us. And we would love to walk alongside you. And we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.